and wait and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and happy new year to the TTIDers out there. Uh, we've turned the calendar. It's 2024. I hope you had a great holiday season with your friends and family. TFC seems to have taken an extended holiday here because it's been awfully quiet <laughs> uh, since uh, basically since draft day on December 19th. Um, so we're going to be, you know, during the show, just quickly going over, catching you up on what's been happening with TFC, which is a whole lot of nothing, to be perfectly honest. It's not exactly true. Um, we will uh, look at some of the lack of player moves. We'll also recap uh, the selections in the 2024 draft, really focusing in on Tyree Spencer and the first overall pick. Uh, more Lore and Fede rumors, plus a lot more we'll get into. Um, no Jeffrey Pinesker this week, but Michael Singh is with me in the chair as well. Mike, how you doing? Happy New Year, buddy. I know, I missed you. And uh missed uh, talking about TFC. I was, honestly, yeah, I was expecting to hop back on in the new year and have so many different things to catch up on. I was looking forward to this episode and then complete blank. There's been a lot of moves though around the league. Um, yeah. We can touch on a little bit throughout the episode, but unfortunately, TFC land man, nothing, nothing buzzing too much. Well, it's funny because I was uh, reading some of the comments from our post leading into this show, and everybody expected the Michael Sig notebook to get cracked wide open, and we're going to be just dropping rumor bomb after rumor bomb. <laughs> this player's coming. This player's coming. And to be perfectly honest there hasn't been kind of anything right like even from the club there hasn't been a lot of things leaking has there uh to be honest i'm as i mentioned maybe a couple shows back that's kind of i've distanced myself from a lot of that you know i still was able to to get that terry spicer scoop yeah. as a little christmas present a little treat for you guys before the end of the year uh we'll see we'll see what else comes about between now and then but it's not not going to be my you know go-to priority i think on this show let's uh let's talk about what has you know come about and let's maybe we can you know weed out some of the rumors kind of what's been going on take a little bit of a temperature check and then uh and then well yeah we'll see we'll see what else comes about yeah for sure um before we get into sort of tfc maybe let's talk about a team that actually has been making a lot of moves um, it's Portland. Has like Portland become like the new Canadian territory that yeah. was like annexed or something? Because I mean, Phil Neville goes over there, and obviously he's a former national team assistant coach, but he just seems to be just picking off guys from the roster, being like, "Okay, I'll have him. I'll have him. I'll have him." Um, you know, Pantamis going over, obviously Kamal Miller being traded for Maxime Crepos. I don't know if is that official now that he signed as a free agent. I know the they were sort of on the verge of, but I don't know if they've officially announced that Crepo's signed. Yeah, like I don't know if it's officially official, but it's pretty much official. Right. So I mean, right now, uh, you look at somebody like a team like Portland, who basically has revamped their entire back line and their entire goalkeeping core um, in a couple of weeks, and it just looks like you know that's a team that has decided to pull from the Canadian. 
uh, national team pool of players, especially you'd hope TFC may think about that considering the head coaches here. But um, yeah, your thoughts on that and just your thoughts generally on what looks like has been, despite what TFC fans have sort of experienced, an actually busy MLS sort of uh, offseason roster movement window. Yeah, I mean, the Portland one's really interesting uh, because I think, as, as you kind of touched on there, in a lot of ways, I feel like a lot of fans think that should be TFC, which, I mean, fair. You have John Herman, who is obviously the former men's national team head coach, and a guy like, for example, Kamal Miller. Man, when uh, when Montreal first made that trade from Orlando, I remember thinking, oh, this should totally be a guy that Toronto FC go after. And then they made that trade with Miami. And for us, for Bryce Duke, they included a bunch of allocation money as well on top of it. I was like, okay, like maybe the price is a little bit too high. But then you see that trade to to Portland. I'm like, 26 years old, signed to a long-term deal, knows that he works in John Herman's system. That seemed like a trade that would have checked a lot of boxes. And then you kind of rub some more salt on the wound by, you know, this latest Max Craypole rumor. Sean Johnson's only signed here for one year remaining. We'll see what happens afterwards or for see if he's maybe a guy that TFC tried to, you know, float around to a couple of teams around the league to see if they're interested in a, in a goalkeeper that can help them win now at a very, in my opinion, good price for what Sean Johnson brings. And you're like, dang, man, that's, that's tough. But uh, I mean, the ties, the ties are there now that Phil Neville, he had a stint with the Canadian men's national team as the assistant coach. Uh, you got Zach McGraw there too. It just yeah. seems like they're building a really, really fun team there in Portland, which I mean, usually like, I mean, as a, you know, most MLS fans, I would say, especially on the East coast, don't watch Portland that closely, but I feel like a lot of Canadians this time around will definitely be keeping a closer eye on, on Portland. Well, it's an organization. Um, that needs a bounce, right? They're kind of not quite in TFC's shoes in terms of they haven't finished last or anything like that. Um, but considering they just fired their manager, they've had a lot of controversies on their end from mm -hmm. off the pitch stuff uh, in the front office. Um, and they've missed the playoffs. Um, they've, they've sort of been in, they've been out. Uh, they missed the playoffs last year. Um, you know, for, so from that perspective, they need to make a move and, and they've done that. Um, and it's interesting that other teams are are sort of or that are in sort of similar positions at TFC have been able to make moves really quickly. Like uh, Georgi Mihailovic is signed now with the Colorado Rapids. You know, you're still they're making a lot of moves. They are making a lot of moves, right? Like Cincinnati's bolstering their roster, obviously with Champions Cup in mind. Um, yeah. You know, you're 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 seeing Columbus do the same thing. Uh, you're seeing a lot of teams be active in the market and i wonder you know we've talked about it a bit on this show but tfc's current roster situation i was just doing sort of the tally before oh the show 23 players on roster 11 on the senior three on the supplemental so the 21 to 24 slots then you got four players in the 25 to 29 slots um one in the 29 to 30 one on the 30 uh 31 person so the the extra spot they give you and then there's three that they didn't have listed on the team west website but i think they're senior roster players like it was gavrin um Os uh, owosu and mylula so they would probably be senior roster players as well so you know you're talking about 14 senior roster spots when you get 20 in total 
right? So you, you have some space there, but I wonder how much flexibility TFC have right now, considering that there are probably still players that they need to or are looking to maybe offload. Um, that's it. Can make moves. That's that's the key right there, right? It's of those, what, 23 players that you mentioned, like maybe 17, 16 of them should be in returning. Now, I guess the question that I have when we're, we're talking about this offseason and why there hasn't been so many moves, what's, what's the holdup, right? What are we... Which which shoe are we waiting to drop here? And I think it's pretty obvious. Like the biggest two that have kind of held up Toronto FC's offseason, in my opinion. And there's a couple factors here. It's obviously Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you want to get into those rumors now? Yeah, let's go for it. I mean, there there are rumors out there on the two DPs. Uh, there's one that I think is a little bit more solid than the other, but just to recap, Federico Bernardeschi, uh, the rumor is out there that he wants to go back to Juventus, uh, that they're trying to organize what they call a dry loan, whatever that means, really just a straight up traditional loan, no purchase option, anything like that. Um, and that he'd go for the remainder of the Serie A season. Uh, and then I guess be coming back to Toronto FC in july essentially uh and then the other rumor is lorenzo insigne to fiorentina uh potentially willing to mutually part ways with tfc come to some kind of arrangement and then sign for a much lower salary um with fiorentina now fiorentino's sporting director has already come out and shot that rumor down and saying that there's no validity to what's out there but obviously Anytime that happens, TFC fans got really excited for about like 20 minutes on Saturday when that rumor came out. Yeah, the I mean, what I can say is the Federico Bernardeschi one. I that I think it's true. He would love love a move back to Juventus. Would Juventus love a move back for Federico? Uh, that one I'm not too sure about. Mm-hmm. I think um, throughout the past couple of months we even talked about this on the podcast there is there are moments where federico was i would say pretty close to moving on from toronto fc uh and had it been for had it not been for like an ideal destination i think on his end then he probably would not be a toronto fc player uh any longer but he wants a move back to italy in some capacity toronto fc would love to move on from federico bernardeschi however the one caveat to that is there's not a lot of bites there in Italy. There's not a lot of people willing to absorb all of Federica Bernardeschi's salary. And therefore, it, the conclusion might just be that he ends up staying with TFC. But if there is some movement there, I would expect both sides to you know happily move on uh, from the situation. Lorenzo Insigne is the same thing, except his is a bit more difficult, right? He's making a ton more money uh again teams don't want to take on that contract is he willing to really drop down from 14 15 million a year to three four million dollars a year that's a tough fast for anybody right yeah and take away the the sporting side from all of it too he's got to really hate toronto to want to give up that amount of money uh, and move on so probably more unlikely that tfc do find a partner for insigne too so i think 
you know, they're trying and they're, they're hoping something comes along when it comes to one or both of those players. But I don't know if it's moving in, in maybe the fashion that they were wishing for, perhaps. Yeah, and it's interesting because you asked the question of like earlier, what's the holdup? Like, what's the holdup of getting these players out? And I think that the issue with TFC right now is that, you know, Jason Hernandez talked about it in the season-ending press conference was they got to find dance partners. And who's going to yeah. dance with these contracts? Not even just putting the DPs on one side, but some of the other contracts that they're trying to get rid of, some of the bad contracts that they have. You know, they're hard for teams to swallow. Like, you know, if you've built your roster in a certain way, and yes, you can get yourself a really good player, but they're on that salary. Unless TFC is willing to eat a significant, significant loss on on those two players. Well, they're going to take a significant loss if they leave anyway. But, I mean, a significant uh, amount of money, especially uh-huh. on Lorenzo Insigne. I mean... I don't think the chances are good, right? That that they're gone, right? It's a good chance that by the time they hit training camp in a couple of weeks, it's not even that far away before you know you're starting to hear about players reporting. Both players, in theory, would show up for training. Camp. <laughs> well, like that's the funny part is like they show up to training camp. Okay, what what type of environment do they enter? What type of environment do they? create or help create when they're in that kind of mentality where everybody on the roster knows that both of these guys don't really want to be here and the only reason why they're here still is because of the money and the paycheck right and even lorenzo insignia has come out and said in an interview about napoli and saying he wanted to even like this late as a couple of months ago, saying that he would love, would have loved to spend his entire career with Nash- Napoli. It was his dream to do so, 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 so. And now he's a Toronto FC player, which is kind of like an afterthought, which is, you know, we knew that kind of going in, but just mm-hmm. the fact he's out late openly speaking about it at this point kind of shows you where his his mindset is when it comes to Toronto FC. Yeah. Bernesky, sure. same thing. Some, uh, some rumblings have come across as well. Uh, I think some leaks about him telling a Juventus fans that he would love to, you know, kind of return to the club and that's his dream and stuff like that. So there are actual like tangible things being now leaked publicly. And I think that again, only adds a more difficult layer into that overall environment, heading back into training camp. Like you want to talk about last year being toxic. This all sets kind of that ground for, for this year also being a bit toxic. Does it not? It does. And I mean, it, it. you know, we talked about it at the time of his hiring that John Herdman was the type of person that can really build positive locker rooms and positive atmospheres around a team. But there's, you know, there are levels to that, right? Like you can only be so good, right? You can only handle so much until the toxicity is so much that no matter how great of a culture builder you are, you can't just overcome some things, right? And it feels like we're heading potentially back to that. Now, you know, we we talked about the roster and, and, you know, we're talking about these two guys and we'll see what happens. There's still a month ago. It's only the eighth. So there's plenty of time in this January transfer window, at least in Europe, um, for for something to potentially happen. But if you look at the rest, rest of the roster, like there's some there's still some dead weight on on the roster beyond the DPs. 
Yeah. Right. And, and and the question is, they might actually even be harder to move because they're probably looking at whether inter, you know, interleague moves or things like that. Is there a market to move those type of players? Right. Is there a place where you can make a trade that can get you either gam or a player back that could potentially help you? It feels like to me that we're going to be riding with a lot of the same players that we kind of game the no in 2023 it, it, it feels we're heading down that route yeah I, I don't know if there will be as much turnover as i think some were hoping for but there will still be turnover i'm pretty confident in, in saying that that said like a guy like you know iowa canola or a guy like diamande yeah those are the guys that i think you're kind of touching on kind of referring to when you say there's some pieces that probably tfc will struggle to move on from and probably want to move on from. You're right. I mean, I, I think that's kind of clear with the contracts that they signed. And the only real avenue to tangibly move on from these guys is we'll take a buyout for one of them, buy one of them out. Well, but it, again, you're going to, is MLSC going to pay that money, right? I mean, you if they, if there's a buyout and uh, you know if you made a buyout rule and there was a player that signified that buyout rule is Diamande, right? Like it's it, in a sense that you know you maybe you kick the tires and hopefully that he recovers from his Achilles injury and that he can give you something next year, but like the odds feel very very long on that. Yeah, like I would actually I would make a case for it being Io. Because I, I feel like those U22 initiative spots are so valuable in this league. Um, and if they have the funds to go out and actually spend and, and really, you know, kind of take advantage of that spot, that would be incredibly valuable. But you're right, like Diamande is the easy, easy target because I don't know, again, I, I don't even know if they have the funds to go out and spend and maximize really that U22 spot in the way that they would want to. Here's the other thing, the other part of the, off-season holdup that I would be wondering about. Is TFC still a attractive destination for free agents? Mm. Is TFC still a place where, you know, players would want to come by and want to play for? Or do you think the club had maybe a bit of a wake-up call during this off season and we're not able to have serious, serious discussions with some of the free agents that maybe they thought they were going to be able to have those discussions with. There's probably a bit of truth in that. Uh, you know, I think, look, I think a lot of players in the league, I, I think always look at TFC as a club that will spend, you mm -hmm. know, and, and from a player perspective, if you're a free agent, you'll always entertain TFC because, you know, if you're in that caliber, you know, you might be able to really snag a good contract. Like you might be like Matt Hedges last year where you could get, you know, that that dollar or you could get that extra year on the contract that you really want from TFC because they're willing to spend that type of money. But at a, at a certain point, you know, I think players talk, right? Like players talk and eventually the the toxicity we talked about earlier, sort of the gradual decline of the club, you know, basically from the end of the pandemic onward, 
are looking at TFC and it's like, is this really a team that can compete and contend right now? And and the answer, you know, based on the evidence we've seen over the last couple of years is no. And how many players are really going to sign up for that? How many players are going to sign up for a toxic environment or at least a perceived toxic environment where you're going to lose almost every game and you have two malcontent DPs that try to push their coach out the door. And that went out public, right? Like that wasn't a thing that just gets talked about amongst players. That was out in the open and players currently on the team and that now may have the part of the team talked openly to reporters about that. Right. So like, that's that piece about what Jonathan Orsorio talked about, you know, things leaking out of the locker room. No, you don't sign up for that. You, if Cincinnati comes and says, Hey, you're not going to be a starter. Maybe you're going to be, you know, our 15th guy on the roster where maybe you're used to being a little bit higher. Uh, you'll, maybe you'll take that, you know, maybe you'll take a, a, a more of a supplementary role than you would if you went to TFC and TFC said, hey, you're going to be a starter on our team, right? Uh, and I think that might be what they've run into a little bit. I also think it's just down to the fact that they've got a lot of roster spots and contracts they can't move, um, and and they're kind of, I don't want to say stuck with some players, yeah. um, but they're, they are stuck with some players. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And like, G money talks brings up a, a really good point here. Like maybe maybe no moves is also good. Like it shows no desperation to go out and get the wrong player. Shows no desperation to go out and overpay for certain free agents because maybe they could have offered you know free agents X amount of dollars, but would that have been you know it's kind of you're alluding to would that be a good decision, a good contract for them to to land those players? I think they've learned from these past two years and some of the situations they found themselves in with some of these contracts that, you know, you can't just go out there and swing big. You've got to really be calculated in these decisions um, because at the end of the day, MLS roster rules do impact you. And when you look at the teams that are excelling across the leagues, like the FC Cincinnati's and of course, easily the, the Philadelphia unions and, you know, the Columbus crews, they're all doing a lot beneath that DP floor. Yeah. that that they're finding ways to just take advantage of kind of these roster mechanisms. And Inter Miami is a little bit of a different story. <laughs> they're doing things above that DP floor <laughs> to take advantage of their, their roster building. But overall, like, I mean, when you look at the teams that have been successful, it's not necessarily the top spending teams in Major League Soccer that are making the big difference, right? However, because TFC have been so toxic and because TFC have like you said, their names kind of smeared publicly in order to land a lot of those free agents that maybe they wanted, I feel like they would have had to overpay. So it's good that, I mean, they held Pat, but at the same time, you, they might walk out of this free agency feeling a lot thinner than maybe they anticipated. Well, you're going to have... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that the team is going to have to hope for big improvements from some of the young players, right? Like they're going to have to make major steps up if that's the case. Mm -hmm. um, because I think they'll have to be leaned on a lot more. I mean, you know, Kosi Thompson, for example, is back from his loan in Norway, right? And and what is he going to be able to bring? Um, that will be interesting to see if he sticks around, right? Maybe he is one of the players that they use as, as a either a trade bait or, or let him go. Um, but there's a lot of young players on that roster that, are going to have to sort of make that next 
jump up and I, I want to segue a little bit into another young player um, that TFC uh, got the, the the most I guess recent roster move um, December 19th TFC uh, drafted Tyree Spicer uh, first overall in the super draft and you know I think for some of us it may have taken some of us by surprise obviously you got the scoop um, on the show where he gave us a little <laughs> heads up um, the day before. Um, but I know you wanted to talk about him a little bit. I guess my question is, you know, I don't know if we got a full grasp from draft day from some of the past. Like, who is he as a player? Um, and why would TFC sort of, I don't know if, if bucking the trend is quite the right word, but why sort of take him number one? Yeah. It's kind of what I alluded to, I think, on the show, where they wanted to bring in a piece that can contribute now. And when you're drafting through a couple age groups and you're trying to weigh potential versus impact now, um, the safer play, I guess, is to make a play on someone who could make an impact now or is closer to that point in their career where they can step on a pitch and make an impact. You've still seen highlights of the kid at this point. He's a bigger guy, pacey. And that's kind of like an MLS kind of build, right? That when, even now, nowadays, even though the league has evolved, when you look at some of the most effective players in Major League Soccer, they're the type of guys who can, you know, Greg Vanny used to say this all the time, can both play in between lines, but also run through lines. And I think that's kind of what TFC are hoping they get out of Tyree Spicer. Definitely the latter, a guy who can run through lines. Um, he's also a guy that, right away would check a box for John Herman. And when you look at the roster and the formation that John Herman plays, right? John Herman would love to play with wingbacks. I, th I think he's going to be looking at Spicer as either a wingback or a winger yeah. on the roster, right? And the one guy they left on the board that is an obvious like, oh my God, I can't believe they didn't draft him is Kamani Stewart-Brains, the kid who we were talking about, we were hyping up, would have loved to see them wear a Toronto FC shirt, obviously a local kid, just 19, a couple years younger. But is he built for MLS? Is he, could? how long will it take for him to be an actual contributor here in Major League Soccer? Um, those are the questions I guess they had to weigh. And obviously they went with, you know, what, what I, I would consider probably be the safer choice. But at the same time, I mean, they look at a lot of the qualities that he has. And it's a lot that, you know, translate, translates well and works in Major League Soccer. So could be a good one. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one because, you know, he uh, he was doing an interview with Matthew, Matthew Shinetti from TSN and was sort of, ask kind of the same question, like, who are you? Like, what do you aspire to be? What has TSC told you um, in your conversations with them before you were drafted? And and one of the things he pointed out was the fact that, you know, they see him as, as a potential Alfonso Davies type. Now, not to say that he's going to be like <laughs> Alfonso Davies or better than Alfonso Davies. That's not the point of that conversation. But more this idea around he can have that flexibility of maybe playing that wing back position and attacking from deep or play a winger and be dynamic that way. And and look, his, his stats at Lipscomb look great, right? Like, you know, it's, it's 29 goals um, in about what, two and a half seasons at Lipscomb. 
um, you know, and, and you're, you're talking about a guy who can find the back of the net at the college level, of course, does that translate yeah. to MLS? That's the biggest thing. Um, traditionally, that hasn't always been the case. Um, and, and a lot of times, guys who played striker tend to end up moving to different positions once they come to MLS. Um, but we'll see, right? I, I think that... It, you know, there seems to be a type that's coming. It, it started with Cash Mylula, it, it, it now is going on to Tyree Spicer, where they're looking for more players that play direct. You know, that are that have a little yeah. bit more pace and have a little bit more dynamicism and play directly. Um, exactly, that gets away from sort of the possession-based kind of play that we have kind of tried, or came used to, and then tried to do again, but didn't quite work to the same uh, success levels over the last couple of years. And you could make the argument that in, in Herman's systems, the wingback position is one of the most important positions on the pitch. But the way that, you know, you look at an Alfonso Davies who, you know, gets up and down the pitch, can also play as a winger. You know, those those positions are what Herman's systems absolutely thrive off. It's also really demanding. It demands a ton of work. Um, and someone who can cover a lot of ground quickly, someone who's able to you know, take people on, playing between lines, all those all those things that we kind of touched on when it comes to Terry Spicer. I think that's what Herdman was referring to when he told Spicer about Alfonso Davies, right? Obviously, like you said, not going to be anywhere close to the player, not going to be a fair comparison whatsoever to the, to the kid, but at least there's some of those qualities. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because... You have at this moment, as we're recording this, you know, you have Raul Petretta there at left wing back. You have Lorenzo Insigne at left winger. Where exactly do we, does he slot in at this point in time? Maybe that's that's a good thing that he has people to play in front of and he can just kind of ease into Major League Soccer. Just when you hear first overall pick, you kind of get excited and, and set expectations maybe unreasonably high for the kid. Yeah, it, it's the one thing about the super draft, like... Number one pick sounds really great, but it's not like the NBA or the NHL or the National Football League, right? Like the number one pick in, in Major League Soccer in a lot of cases is, you know, you're you're picking a very highly valued asset and you're hoping that they can produce right away. If they don't, you stick them on your two team, right? Like that feels like where the draft has gone the last couple of years, though there have been, as you pointed out in previous pods, there have been success stories um, out of uh -huh. the draft that have come in and made immediate impacts. And, and Kevin Martin's in the comments here actually sort of took a point I was about to talk about. It was that the profile that you just mentioned that John Herman likes sounds a lot like Richie Larea, right? Some of the things that Richie can do now, not again, not at the same level, yeah. not, not as well, but it sounds like some of the things that Richie can do, they're trying to see if Tyree Spicer might be able to do that at that wingback position if they do indeed put him there. Yeah, yeah, like Richie has a little bit more of that tenacity. And I would even argue that like Richie, while powerful moving forward, different type of stride, mm -hmm. different type of movement uh, Richie Larea did. But yeah, a lot of the things were, were fairly similar. I think what they're trying to develop Terry Spicer into, uh, man, Richie would be, there should be a good fit here in, in Toronto under Herdman. We've seen him excel with the national team too, so... Well, let's get into a little bit of rumor corner. Um, again, these are, I feel like these these rumors are very, very loose and very, very, you know, they're there. Somebody said it, but I don't know how much, you know, stock we should take into them. But there are 
a couple of names that have been bandied out there. Um, Angus McDonald is center back at Aberdeen um, right now. He's 31 years old. Um, you know, just moved to Aberdeen last year, literally this time in the transfer window last year. Um, hasn't played a lot this past season. I think he's only has like six or seven appearances um, this year after appearing 25 times uh, last year for Aberdeen. Um, I mean, look, a, a center back is a position that we talked about in terms of depth that TFC yeah. may want to take a look at. Again, don't know if there's any real fire to that rumor, um, but it feels like, you know, a 31-year-old player, is that really where you want to go right now? Obviously, it depends on, um, you know, the deal, if, if there is a deal to be struck there. And the other one that really sort of intrigued me was Debbie Flores. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Debbie played in MLS, and when I say played, didn't play very much. Um, but played in MLS for Vancouver back in, I believe, like 2015, maybe, 2016. Um, and I, like I said, had a cup of tea with Vancouver and then moved on, um, I believe, to Greece. And then now he's in Hungary, playing in the first division in Hungary. Um, that has been a rumor that has been a little bit more persistent that seems to be out there that they might be looking yeah. at bringing him back to the league. Um, again, not sure you heard anything about those, but those are two names that are sort of out there right now. Yeah, the Angus McDonald one, um, what I'd say is like TFC need at least two more center backs this offseason. Um, that's not a name that necessarily excites me, though. No. Is that... And I think I think TFC need like top level center backs, at least MLS level center backs. And I don't, I'm not just two depth guys. They have some depth guys, right? They got the Shane O'Neills of the world. They have Ame Mabikas. They have the Sigurd Rostads. You know, they need a top, at least one like top top center back, and then another solid center back. Um, personally, I don't know too much about the players, so maybe I'm completely underplaying it, but just. Not something that really, really excites me. Um, but, you know, maybe he's a guy who fits the MLS kind of mold here. Um, the other one, Davey Flores. That one is a bit more intriguing to me because he is he offers something TFC just don't have. And that's someone who's such an incredible ball winner um, in the middle of the park. And I think that's kind of where he excels. When you look at TFC's kind of midfield here, we're looking at obviously Alonzo Cuello. We're looking at Latif Blessing, Brandon Cervania's injured, and then Jonathan Osorio. That's really it in, in the yeah, center of the park. Thin. So very, very, very thin. And that's another position where you need, you know, another two, three, four guys even uh, to really shore up that position. So he would check a, a box that TFC just straight up don't have. So that's why that one would be a little bit more more interesting uh, from a TFC perspective. What I can what I can offer up here is that when you look at the position TFC's in, uh, it's well, when we talk about them missing out on MLS free agents and maybe not making as moves as quickly, is that TFC have an abundance of international roster spots. Because not only do they have the spots that existed last year, they're also going to be getting access to an additional two international roster spots because they're going to have guys who are international players that were on the roster for 12 months at the start of the season. 
Um, therefore, that for Canadian clubs, it unlocks an extra two international roster slots. So I think they're going to be active in using those slots. Um, when exactly? I mean, they're probably going to do it before, at least a lot of it before the start of, of the season, before the start of that second training camp is typically when they like to really get things going there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the MLS route might not be as as feasible as we first thought. Yeah, no, because I feel like if they're going to go the MLS route, they're going to have to make trades at this point, right? Like, you know, it, it, and and again, it, it speaks to what do you have um, in terms of value that other teams are going to want. And I just, I outside of GAM, which you can't really give up. I mean, they have, they've gotten some extra GAM, which is good, but is that enough to really sway teams? That, that'll be interesting. I will throw this name out there. Obviously, you kind of brought him up already. Richie Larea is out there. Now, he is not going to go back to Vancouver. They're not going to make him a DP. Surprise, surprise. Um, he is still a Forest player. I think his contract's up at the end of next season. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the, at the end of next season. Um, 2025, I think he was signed through. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so season, year and a half, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Is there a chance? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, again, they'd have to negotiate probably another loan um, with Nottingham Forest. But mm-hmm. I don't see him going to Forest and playing. Um, and I don't know, you know, what options there are in Europe, right? So yeah. does TFC make sense for another return for <laughs> the baby boy, Richie Larea? Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday, Richie Larea, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, selfishly, I'd love it. What I'd say about Nottingham, I think a big reason why he didn't, it didn't work out there very quickly for Richie was because of his relationship with Steve Cooper, who is now, as of a couple of weeks ago, the former Nottingham Forest manager. So now that they have a new head coach in, Nuno's at the helm, is that something that maybe Nottingham wants to revisit? I don't know. I don't know really what their 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 depth is like at that position, if they would even be worthwhile for them, or if that ship has kind of sailed. Now, if it hasn't, maybe there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense in Toronto. Um, the one, I guess, rebuttal to that is that when you look at kind of the right side, it was... Kobe Franklin and, and Jim Kilmarshiretti have that right wing back position. Uh, I don't want to say locked up, but they have a pretty good foothold at that right wing back position. Those are two very young kids. Uh, we know, I think Herman coming in really wants to, you know, focus on developing those Canadian, ta- that, that Canadian talent. He's already spoken incredibly highly of Jaquil in particular about how naturally he fits into that right wing back role and how well he had did in the weeks leading up to like the conclusion of the season. Um, so you add that with arguably TFC's best player last season in Kobe Franklin. And uh, that right wing back role could already be potentially spoken for. I mean, which we've seen Richie play on the left before, but then you get into the conversations about Tyree Spicer and then, you know, what's happening with Raul Petretta, who, I mean, by all accounts, I believe Raul Petretta really wants to come back. And I, I, I don't know if the fit is still there with Richie Larry at the price point, which 
we're guessing he will be at. That's the biggest yeah. thing, right? You, if Richie Lair wants to come back and wants to come back a reasonable number, you fit him in, no problem. But Richie's not at that point in his career anymore, right? He's looking at potentially what will be his last or second last big contract. And kind of like Jonathan Osorio, man, you got to cash in when that happens. So um, I find it tough to believe that there would be a reasonable way without, I guess, compromising maybe the roster a little bit. No, I don't know. I hear you. And it, it, it's one of those things where I think TFC fans, a lot of TFC fans will keep that in their heart and the sort of hope is there. Um, but I, do, I, I don't disagree with you, right? Like, I, I think it makes sense. You got to figure out between Kobe and JMR, what do you really have there at, at the right wing back position? And can they both, can one of them really sort of stand out and be the guy at that that position? Um, if, if they choose to do that, right? Maybe they, they put Jaquiel more on the wing going forward. But it, it you know, as of right now, uh, you're right. I think that role is sort of sewn up. But I think uh-huh. CFC fans will always have that little kernel of hope in the background. Because, look, if you can get Richie Larea on this team, he makes you better, right? right? I don't think there's any doubt around that. It's just at what cost? Right. It's just, like, there are bigger things on the roster that need to be addressed aside from the wingback position. No, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and a last thing before we, we jump out here, um, a, a small little note last week. We got... Uh, an incoming uh, announcement, uh, but maybe not the one uh, TFC fans were looking for. Jason DeVos has come in as an assistant uh, coach to John Herdman on the coaching staff. It feels like TFC has become the refugee camp of men's national team staff um, since John Herdman's come over. Uh, But Jason DeVos joins um, not a big surprise, I think, to a lot of people. Obviously, you know, Herdman has a lot of uh, time for Jason DeVos, and obviously he's had him on his staff uh, for the World Cup. Um, former interim secretary general, um, obviously just stepped away from the post after the new hiring last month. Thoughts on the uh, on Jason DeVos coming in um, as an assistant? Um, you know what do you you know uh, what do you think he's going to bring? Obviously, <laughs> a, a well experienced uh, center back in England played a long time there, and obviously a former national team captain. Yeah, um, I don't have too many takes on this. I th- I've seen some people come out pretty hot either way. Um, I don't really, I mean, I, I don't think it's, I think it's one of the least surprising moves. Um, what he'll bring, I mean, he has a lot of relationships with a lot of players. He knows the Canadian system and Canadian players incredibly well um, and obviously has that relationship with John Herdman. So I don't. I really don't think it's too much of a surprise. You know, I honestly, I don't get too worked up when it comes to assistant coaches and takes well, like that. Fired because up by assistant coaches these days, because <laughs> we don't know exactly yeah. the, the, the level of impact that they make at the end of the day. It's like, it's all very surface level from the, the examination and the analysis that we're able to do, unless we're in that environment every single day and seeing what it is that they do. Right. So it's tough for us to, to have takes on stuff like that but i will say it's not a surprise at all no i I don't think so either um and and it 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 sounds like that's probably going to be i don't know if they're filling out any other roles on the coaching staff it sounds like they're pretty at this point set um Mm -hmm. with the coaching staff 
And now it's kind of just a, a wait and see game for a lot of TFC fans. You know, what shoes are going to drop in terms of the roster and obviously counting down till, you know, sort of the beginning of February when training camp kind of starts, right? Because, you know, you're going to hear of uh, players reporting, but obviously those are the Champions Cup teams that are going to be getting in a little bit early in the end of January here. But um, usually TFC are usually in camp by early February they're usually here and doing their medicals and things like that and then we'll figure out what hot destination they're flying off to for the first part of camp do we even know that yet I, no. I haven't seen anything I would say about that. I would say sooner like usually it's January oh usually yeah it's I guess this month. January yeah yeah, yeah. what do you this know month, where they... they're go- do you have you heard where they're going I actually haven't heard it yeah they're going to they're going to Cali oh they're going back to the um Coachella tournament yeah they're going to go to I... I don't know if that's the name of the tournament anymore, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but they're definitely doing the uh, yeah, it's a good the Cali Valley tournament or something like they did last year. But I'm not yeah. sure if they're going to be in it this year. But um, all right, well, I mean, look, it's uh, interesting times at TFC, if not slower times. Um, we'll continue to sort of keep an eye on what's happening at the club, and we'll be back next week. Thank you again for listening to another Toronto Till I Die. Uh, massive favor rate review the show give us a thumbs up and subscribe on youtube five stars leave a review on apple Podcasts and spotify helps a lot of people uh new people get in contact in uh, in the show and into the tfc live community uh for michael singh i'm michael newell see you next week y'all cheers everybody and wait and wait and baby i'm tfc till i die